everybody. Welcome to episode 133 of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Dubberton, and who's transforming with me tonight? <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Greg Stewart. And welcome back. Thanks. Nice Here's to be back. third time. <laughs> yes. And before I get too far, first, you want, Greg, where people might know you from? Uh, you might know me from currently from uh, the Player One podcast and from uh, Generation 16 on YouTube. And previously to that, uh, editor at uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly. Okay. And I recently did finish watching your 100 video games, uh, top 100 oh. video games YouTube video. Nice. I have a confession. I have never played Streets of Rage 2. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> I just never got around to it. I played Streets of Rage 1. I own 3, never played it, but I never have played 2 in my life yet. Oh, yeah. You got to get on that. I'm going to, I think, now. I'm like, okay, after seeing your video, I'm like, I really should probably play that game someday. <laughs> yeah, I no. love beat-em-ups. Treat yourself, because it's like the best I one. Why I missed gonna, it all these years. and before we introduce what we're talking about i want to give a i want to mention we do have a patreon for as little as a dollar a month you can vote in our patreon poll currently is animated movie you can either choose that we'll be covering batman massive phantasm tmnt turtles forever green lantern first flight or the hulk first movie so as little as a dollar you can go vote in our patreon poll and you'll see a link in the show note and this week the reason we got greg on here we're gonna be talking about robotech invasion developed by vicious psycho software back in 2005 which is God, based on that, an anime I've never watched. <laughs> that long ago. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Makes me feel so, old. Yeah. You're a fan of the... Uh, I know we're both fans of Robotech, but you're also a fan of the Robotech New Generation, which this is based on, right? Or, yeah, I mean, I was a fan of the the whole series in general, but I think out of the three of them, um, New Generation was sort of my second favorite. The, the first one, which is based on Macross, of course, was my favorite okay. and the main thing that you watch that show for, but... Yeah, I, I love the uh, the mecha. I love the idea of the uh, like a wearable motorcycle. That was so cool to me. So it still it, it, it worked in the game. I was surprised because I wasn't sure how I'd feel about it. And I, I sucked at driving it. I like think they had safe states. I didn't go just screening to my death over and over again. <laughs> but it was interesting. I liked the fact that this game can be played either first person shooter or as a third person shooter. As I was later playing it just because I could. Yeah, and actually the third-person shooter bit, I think, was a fairly late-stage choice. Because I think, and and this is just my guess, I mean, this was the very first game I ever worked on. So, you know, I like to think I knew how everything was done, but <laughs> I learned a lot, obviously, while I was there. But I think with most first-person shooters, and we've seen this previously, where your your head is the camera, you don't necessarily render an entire player. Right. Like you don't necessarily render the entire character, but because of the fact that we could transform into cycle mode, we were rendering the entire character, I think, at all times. So then it, the choice was just made to decouple the camera in late in late in development and give us a third person view, actually two third person views, because you can mm-hmm. put the camera <laughs> out even further, which is nice. So I, I use both a few times. I'm jumping yeah. around. Uh, what was your um, job on this on this title? I was uh, my official job was level designer. So, which is a bit of a, isn't really, it doesn't really describe what, what we did. Cause honestly, the levels, like the, the, the architecture of the levels was already made that that was done by uh, the art department, uh, which was based around the design document. What the level designers did in this game was basically um, design uh, skirmishes, really, you know, like we oh. put down, we, we, we put down the triggers to in, in the previously created level geometry but really what we did was design the 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 skirmishes you know okay again based on the design doc 
which I, I didn't mind. Like I, so I, I've never watched new generation. I have no love of this particular part of Robotech. I, I love Macross as we talked about for hours and over an hour before. <laughs> and I've never watched the master saga. So coming to this, like I had no association or care about any of the source material, but I still, right. but it was still like, it was interesting to me as a shooter. It, I, I had fun. Like the way that the game you know starts off where, I didn't really like you, you start you end up showing all the Veritex coming, which made me laugh because there's not a single Veritex in this game. But I saw the yeah. planes. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I mean, it's what's the company again that owns the rights sort of to this? Uh, Harmony Gold. Aren't they aren't they tough to work with? I think, yeah, well, actually, that was a major problem. And again, there's something I learned when I started working there. So the whole reason that I started working at Vicious Cycle was because, of course, they were the developers behind Robotech Battle Cry, which we talked about previously on the show. And uh, I had sort of. I was the one who covered that game for EGM, and so I'd gone out, I'd met the team, and I kept in touch with um, Eric Peterson, who was the president of Vicious Cycle. And then when I had left Ziff Davis, they knew that I was a big fan, and I was looking for a job, and, and Eric basically came to me and said, like, you know, why don't you, why don't you try game development? And recruited me to be a, a level designer. But, yeah, like, one of the things that I got to learn from there is... I don't know necessarily that Harmony Gold is difficult to work with so much that, and maybe they are, I don't know, but so much that the licensing rights around these three series were so tangled up and so convoluted. And I mean, I think it was just a month ago or so that they finally sorted it out where Macross can be broadcast outside of Japan without (laughs) problems with Harmony Gold. Because I think... They thought they had licensing that was like everywhere outside of Japan. They owned the rights to Macross. So something along those lines. But they've been fighting about it for 30 years or longer, probably closer to 40 years. Like they've, they've just been fighting about that particular brand. I don't know that Mospeto, which is what this is based on, had the same issues. But one thing we had to be super careful about during the development of this was that you didn't make reference to Macross or Southern Cross, which was the second a series you had we had to be super careful that there weren't references to those series in this even though they're all technically part of the same large u.s robotech series yeah we had to be super careful about that so again i don't know that it was harmony gold being difficult to work with so much <laughs> as it was covering themselves themselves legally because it was such a quagmire right and it's, i mean that's why we don't really have anything robotech today really at all yeah that should open up now right i mean because so. of the agreement they've come to you know, they've already announced like the big Blu-ray set of of I think Macross or Robotech. I don't I don't remember which, and we'll, we should see it on streaming services again. So, That's you know, good. it's exciting. I'm gonna have to buy that though. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> that damn show. And and to me, like with Robotech Battlecry, it was you know you had your Veritech. It was a third-person game completely, and this is such a different take on it, which I thought. I mean, I there are there are things I enjoyed more about this game because I didn't get as mad at this game. I didn't have to cheat as much. <laughs> so that was nice. Like. I appreciate that. I mean, I know you guys had kind of like a realistic style of art for the time, but again, that kind of fits like what's popular Halo, other games of that time. Yeah. Which I, I mean, it doesn't age as well as like cell shading does, but again, you know, who knew? I mean, only Nintendo really knew that for sure that <laughs> with Wind Waker and stuff they did, I feel. Yeah, fair enough. Which no, and still that's held up. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's kind of what I take away from it too, replaying it again this past week is I, I, I wish we'd gone cell shaded. Because of exactly that, because the game looks so much of its time now 
it's all and you know it's it, the whole idea is it's ruined earth so there's a lot of brown and a lot of gray and it's just a very drab looking game which is too bad because it comes from you know this great cartoon show that is very colorful and it just doesn't translate very well but i i get why they made the decision i think it was the wrong decision <laughs> 20 years on i think it was yeah. the wrong decision but, you know, I, I understand it. Yeah, I would have much rather gone the, the tune shading uh, route. But, but hey, what are you going to do? I feel that's a lot to do with, like, this Wind Waker had, was, like, critically received but had so many issues where people were so upset about that that, you know, had an effect later on in the, in the just game development in general for a bit. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and you're right. I mean, it's a, Halo was such a monster around the time that this came out. Like, you know, a Halo 2, I think, came out the same year that I was... Uh, working on the development of this and if you pay attention to the game there's so much there that's halo right like the fact oh, yeah. that you're limited to two weapons and you know like i know that we built the um the controls around basically playing tons of halo and and sort of yeah. taking what we liked out of that so you know that it, it's a product of its time for sure and also like the other thing i felt like very halo to me wait like you were saying like the controls the two guns the, just the way the look of everything kind of reminded me a lot of Halo also, which yeah. I, I was fine with. Like it, I didn't, I mean, I had no association with, with the, with the source material. So I didn't care what the moth speedo looked like. I didn't even know what, I'm like aliens. I shoot them. Okay. Right. Right. So, <laughs> it was fine for me. Exactly. I, I have no history with new generation, but new generation is only like so many years. After, it's not like what, less than 20 years after. Uh, Something like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, super familiar with the t- what the time frame is but i mean the okay. storyline there is that well in the show is that you're you're the returning sdf3 expedition which is what was launched at the very end of macross like the whole idea mm. with the show is that at the end of macross rick hunter and lisa hayes launched the XB- sdf3 expeditionary force and then in the meantime the masters the robotech masters attack earth and then after the southern cross beats them back then the invid attack and <laughs> occupy and this is supposed to you're supposed to be part of the rick hunters returning forces that are trying to take back the earth so it can't be that long after because you know (laughs) i don't think rick hunter was supposed to be a very old man at that point but yeah if i think it's 20 or 30 years later okay it's it's interesting seeing like because in this game you go through a couple different towns you see people that have question marks about their head you can talk i just ignored them but you could talk to them i noticed i just wasn't it wasn't what I was playing for, but I, I thought that was interesting. It was cool to see that in this, and like I listened to some of the stuff they were saying, like talking about like a slave camp and how the Mos, the Mospita are using them as like you know labor force, and I thought that was interesting in building this world, especially a world that I wasn't you know like interested in. It was it was cool to see these little parts that happen, now. like the whole beginning of the game where you're just running around fighting Mospita and everyone dying around, and you can't die, and you just keep fighting. That was I thought that was an interesting start to the game. Yeah, and I mean that's that's um, very much informed by the series. Like it's funny, I call this my second favorite. But when I was a kid and, and I was really super into Robotech, I don't know what it was, but our local broadcasters, they only broadcast like the first four episodes of this series <laughs> of of the third series, and then it would always go back to the first episode of Macross. I don't know why that was the case, so I never saw the whole thing. And when you go watch the entire uh, Mospeta series, it's the quality varies a lot. Like it's really good in moments and it's really bad in a lot of moments. <laughs> but one of the things that I really liked about that is, is I loved the, I loved the ruined earth sort of aesthetic of it. And 
you know, knowing that the invid, they didn't come to sort of raise the earth. They came to harvest the, the flower of life based on the Robotech version and that they're an occupying force, right? They're not trying to destroy humanity so much as they're just occupying the earth. And there were elements in the show where in order to survive, there were like sort of human leaders who had made deals with the invid to, you know, supply them with. There's a major episode where the main character, Scott Bernard, I think it's Lieutenant Wolf is the name of the character, who's a hero of Scott's. And he comes to find out that he's made a deal with the invid to supply them with resistance fighters so that the town that he's sort of in charge of keeping safe doesn't get attacked. So there's there's a few moments in that series that are like super brilliant. And so that is kind of what informed these towns with the people that you could talk to. Now, again, going back to being a product of its time, <laughs> Grand Theft Auto was huge, right? In the early 2000s. Like yeah. that was, I mean, it's huge now too, but it was new. Like what they had done was very new in the early 2000s. And I remember the design docs of this game, those towns were supposed to be much more bustling. There were supposed to be way more people in them. And there were actually, I think, originally a few side missions where you would actually be interacting with townsfolk and have things to do for them. When I was playing today a little bit, actually, and I was in like the third level, there's one guy whose name is Pedro who you talk to and he'll say like, I, I know everything about this town. If you need anything, let me know. And I seem to remember there being a planned quest around something he needed, or you needed to get information from him. And it just, it never happened for whatever reason. We never got around to that. So, you know, it's funny when I play this game, I totally see it in terms of what we planned and couldn't do (laughs) as opposed to what we ended up with. Well, I guess that's probably normal for game development, though. Yeah, it was a hard lesson to learn. <laughs> like that beginning, just I, I did laugh because at the end you end up getting killed in the beginning or something happens to you. Yeah. And then they just find this guy like it goes like some, so much time later. They find this guy. Oh, the other guy died. You're, you're his name. now. You're locked. You're, you're oh, God, have, a, have a suit. Here you go. I hate that. And I think <laughs> I, I hate that so much. And I think I might have written that line. So. A couple of uh, me and uh, one of the other level designers were given the opportunity to go in and sort of brush up the script at one point before it was recorded. And I think that that was my line. And I I was playing that the other day and I just cringed. But we, you know, it's funny. I I mean, again, (laughs) and, and another another great example. You'll notice that the protagonist in this game doesn't speak. During the game, you hear him speak in flashbacks, but you don't hear him speak during the game. So all of the in fact, one of our characters, Guppy, makes a joke about it where she's like, I don't know what I did to deserve the silent treatment at one point. But the whole idea was it was that thought of like, well, if he doesn't speak, then the player is the character. Right. And which, again, grows entirely grew entirely out of Grand Theft Auto three, where it's like, well, I technically the player has more agency because he's the character or she's the character as opposed to hearing that character speak and sort of have its own motivations, which again led to trouble in the script because how the hell does anyone know what his name is? <laughs> right. I mean, he fell from the sky at one point and like, we're going to, we're all going to call him lock. Well, why do we call him lock? And that's what we came up with was, <laughs> well, this guy's dead. You need armor. His name was lock. So we're just going to call you lock. And it's like, eh, okay. I mean, I took it. 
as like he was just so I mean everyone was at this point was kind of expendable in the way they looked at it like they were getting massacred by the Mosfita so that's why they just gave him a name that's all I took it I like that you know so, what? I'm gonna go with that again you made me laugh I'm like okay yeah. that's funny I'm gonna go with that that's a great reason <laughs> that's exactly what we were doing well I mean they were I mean like the way that game starts off they're killing everyone to getting massacred by these aliens yeah and that was another thing that, like, I actually didn't know how to tell my health bar at first. I'm like, where's my health? But I'm not dying, so I wasn't worried about it. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll figure this out. Right. And then because it isn't until... Yeah. You're invincible in open level. So that opening level, I'm going to tell a story here, and this sure. is probably going to take too long, but... So the opening level originally was a cutscene and nothing else. And what happened was... I'm super proud of that opening level because what happened was Global Star, which was a division of Take-Two who were publishing the game because they had bought TDK media active had re- had released the first Robotech. And I believe take two interactive bought TDK media active or something like that. And then, so this was going to be a take two game, but then they decided to publish it under the global star label, global star software, but it was a take two company. Anyway, they decided that they were going to show invasion at uh, E3 the year before it came out, which I don't know whether we weren't going to be, uh, involved at one point or if it was a last minute thing, I have no idea. All I know is that I ended up being the one who got given the task of creating a demo and what they did again. So as a level designer, as I mentioned before, you would get the level and it had been created and you know, you had to populate it and put all the triggers in and all that stuff. So they didn't have an extra level that had been created, but what they did have was the title screen. So if you if you look at the game, the title screen is the Invid Hive, and that's a big 3D model, right? So they basically said, make the demo using this. And they handed me the title screen, and they put collision on everything. And then, you know, it's like, just create create battles through this title screen. And that's what I did, and that's how, that's what we ended up with the, how the, we ended up with the E3 demo. But I remember my direction was, talking about influences, my direction was Medal of Honor Frontline. Whatever Medal of Honor game that had come out that had the D-Day Normandy invasion. The opening level was the Normandy invasion, right? Yeah, it's the Normandy invasion. So we're like, let's, I, we want it to be exciting like that. And I was like, what? Like, that's the, one of the, that was like one of the pinnacles of like first person shooters at that point. I remember being blown away by that level. So they gave me this big empty level and basically I had to create a path through all these little tendrils that were on the ground and spawn enemies that would come in. But I was super proud of it because we, we came up with a few cool techniques there where if you play that level, you'll see there are fighter plane, like there are alpha jets flying over the, the level. There were only, but we can only spawn like two at a time and it's just because that was the limit of the engine yeah. and they weren't made as things they it's hard to describe it. they weren't made as objects that you could interact with and that you could that had any sort of there was no scripting behind them like they were literally just static objects so basically what i did was i built i think six paths over the level that these things would all they would do was slide along they didn't do anything they would just okay. slide along these paths and then what would happen is when they got to the end of the path they would despawn and then they would respawn at the start of another path and they all had different routes. So it looked like, if you look closely, I think it's like six different paths they take, but it looks random enough that every now and then you just have an alpha fighter flying over really low, which is a nice touch. And at one point I had one that would go at the hive and then it would like bank 
it would it would climb and then go up and over it and then i spawned some missiles from a certain point <laughs> when it got there that just they didn't hit anything they flew into the hive and they disappeared so there was a lot of stuff like that and things like taking the dropship model that you use at the beginning of that level and having it fly out from behind the hive at one point and then we just created some vo that said take out those anti-aircraft guns and then the thing explodes but it comes down and explodes right by some anti-aircraft guns and the whole screen shakes and there's like a huge explosion anyway it it got really well received and the demo went really well the demo actually got picked up and put on the xbox magazine demo disc which i have around here somewhere and then they decided they liked it so much that they made it the first level in the game so i was super proud of that that whole level although it did suck that in the e3 demo and the xbox magazine demo you could transform you were wearing your cyclone oh in that level but it, when you play the game you don't have your cyclone until level two so you, you're stuck yeah. walking the whole time which slows everything down a lot but it was still fun i did i did notice the, so the planes flying are those essentially veritech that don't transform right the alpha fighters yeah, well, so the, the Alpha Fighters like. in the third series, they are transformable fighters. They're very much based on the Veritex, more or less. Okay. But you don't see that happen because they're not built to do that in the game. Okay. Although, I think in the third level, when you're going through the crashed capital ship, at one point, you can see a bunch of them in their robot modes in there. You can't oh, do okay. them, but you can see them in there. I just, I remember seeing them like, hey, those look a lot like Veritex. I saw them flying around. That that was cool. Yeah. Like, I did remember seeing them on the level thing. They were doing something. But you, you, you did create a good illusion of them interacting with you, even though they're not. Like, I was thinking, okay, you know, I see them flying above and stuff happening. And Yeah, was that shooting. was the plan. It was just to make it look <laughs> exciting. Because otherwise, it was you fighting, a, like, two or three Invid at a time. And that was it. So Invid fighting is not bad, though. Like, I, I had fun with it. Like, the purple, like, the big purple ones, you can blow mm. off their arm. You can shoot them in the eye. Like, and I can lock on. So I was happy. <laughs> Yeah, and w- that was, yeah, so the original idea for that was, too, that um, they were going to be sort of event fights. So, like, the individual were supposed to be really hard to kill because, again, if you watch the series, those fighters were supposed to be super tough, and that's how we built them. But through sort of the balancing, we ended up figuring out that the invid actually got really, they weren't much of a threat because they were so big and they moved relatively slowly, and then you had a bunch of our are little human characters that would attack you, but they were so skinny and they move so fast and they could fire so quickly that they ended up becoming much, a much bigger threat than the invid in the game. Like when you were fighting them, and you couldn't lock onto them. So yes. when you were fighting them, they were hard to hit. They, they never missed you and they were quick and hard to see because of the dark backgrounds. So sort of our, our way to fix that was to make the invid bullet sponges and just sort of, amp up every like the amount of hits they took to kill which i don't know translated very well in the final product but i mean i do like the way they look yeah they look cool and yeah i didn't have a problem with their mono hell like it's on easy every everything except for the big blue ones everything felt reasonable blue okay. ones near the end of the game were an ass with the lasers yeah <laughs> but it fit the st- it fit where you're at in the game so i'm not like it wasn't right. a bad thing to me but that was the only one where i'm like okay they got a little bit too much health i had to actually try on them and shoot aim for the eye to take them out quickly with a sniper <laughs> Well, I mean, that's good. That's what we wanted you to do. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't have a choice. <laughs> it yeah. wouldn't die fast enough. But yeah. like the fact that you have that one gun that can turn into a sniper rifle can also be a, like a machine gun hold down. Like all I really use is that one gun. And I was OK with that. Like I didn't I picked up the wolf pistol here and there. Like when I would get it and I had a machine gun that ran on ammo and I didn't care. I just I stuck with my one rifle. Did that use protoculture as ammo? It did. Yeah. And so that okay. the whole idea was that and and 
that rifle was we wanted you to like you weren't allowed to drop that rifle the garand yeah. i think it was called because part of the game's progression was that it would get better and better and better like you get a rifle stock for it, it becomes a machine gun and then you get a a scope for it and it becomes a sniper rifle and so that was kind of the main thing but i mean i think and i don't know because i didn't make this decision but i think that we you know where it's a first person shooter in the early 2000s you've got to have a big weapon selection so we did that but i'm the same way as you and i i remember us saying it as designers while we were building the game is like there's no reason to use anything but the garand pistol yeah you you know which you're not allowed to drop so I, i felt like that was fun but yeah, the other weapons felt extraneous. Although it was fun, the the rocket launcher was fun. I enjoyed the rocket right. launcher. I use it a lot in the end, the cheesy end. So yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. I have some stories when I was playing it through. But another thing, like that, I was thinking earlier, remind me, Halo. You had a recharging shield, and your health didn't recharge, which made me think of Halo One. And I don't like it as much in Halo One. I mean, I, I don't like the whole. I like just a recharging shield, not your health. Where like in Halo Two and on, where your health just refills. I think, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. or something like that. It's been a long time. But, I mean, it was fine. Like, you guys had enough health packs around. Like, on easy, I never felt too, like, I was having too much of an issue until near the end of the game. I was able to just play this. Like, I just got done playing Shadow Realm last week, and this game was less stressful and more fun to play. Maybe not as, you know, it wasn't as explosive or as, like, you know, if you ever play Shadow Realm, it's a very, like, explosive-type game. This, But this was much less stressful. Like, I, I just put a podcast on, like, Player One, and I just shot aliens for an hour, and I was right. happy. <laughs> I mean, I didn't care what they were saying. I didn't care what the story. I'm like, shoot aliens okay and follow the green arrow so that was i mean i I know some people maybe at the time weren't as fond of this game they are as battle cry but for me this was more fun for me than battle cry because i wasn't dying all the time like you had ai helpers that actually could fight and didn't just die instantly yeah no that was (laughs) yeah i mean it's funny playing it now that again i i see nothing but not nothing but i i see the flaws (laughs) more than anything else but i do think it's a better game than battle cry i do I don't think it looks as nice, but I think it's a it doesn't. The mission variety is a little bit better. It's easier. It is absolutely easier. I mean, I love Battle Cry because of what it is and the fact that, you know, I have the rose colored goggles on, but the mm-hmm. fact that this game is much more playable, which I liked. I liked the fact I could just pick this up, I could play. I wasn't, you know, dying all the time. I wasn't like having to really, I just could play and just, just you know, enjoy the game. And that was a nice change. Yeah. To the other one where I had to like, you know, put cheats on so I couldn't die and kill everybody one hit just to barely get through the game. Right. Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. I, the um, I wish playing it this week, my big thing is with the first couple of levels that really hit home was um, it's it's so slow. It starts the game mm-hmm. starts off so slow. And I wish we had I wish we had done something a little bit different. But I remember having fast. a conversation with the, the owner at one point where he he sort of had said like you know one of the biggest issues with game development is that you know only x percentage of people ever actually finish your game so you you kind of have there's kind of this very very touchy balance of like put all the exciting stuff first but make sure you still have something cool to do at the end like and we i, I don't know that we hit that just right and the other thing too that that I was really reminded of is that the levels are clearly built for the cyclone cycle the levels are massive in this yeah. game which i think is something to be proud of for a game of this vintage but boy when we had to we had tons of problems with the engine we used havoc and i mean i otherwise it was an internal engine and the, the thing we had the problem with is that if the bike got going too fast the i, I don't know the technical 
practicalities behind this. And it was mostly on the PlayStation 2 that we had this problem because it was sort of the the lesser of the systems that we used. Yeah. We did PlayStation and Xbox. Is that if you hit some geometry hard enough or fast enough and it was just at the right moment, you'd go right through it. And so there was basically two... There's basically two things we could do, I think. One was that we could update the collision checks, which would bring the PlayStation 2 to its knees. So we couldn't <laughs> really do that. And then the other was that we had to slow everything down. And that's what we okay. ended up doing. Is So the bike doesn't move as fast as it would have as we would have liked. And the other thing is, is that when you're in tunnels, <laughs> it, it, you're not allowed to transform into the bike, which leads to some hilarious moments in a script that was written before we made that decision where, oh. like, they teach you, you know, Guppy uh, upgrades your bike so that you can use a turbo boost. And then she drives up a tunnel and like you, you get in control again and it says double tap X to use turbo boost. But if you go after Guppy, the second you turn into that tunnel, you're forced into into <laughs> robot mode again. So you can't do what we just told you to do. But and, and, you know, it's like especially in those first levels, the tunnels are clearly built to drive through. They're really long. They're huge. And they've got these choke points that, you know, if you really think about it, that was meant to force the player to get into robot mode, or I call it robot mode, but, you know, <laughs> stand up off the bike and fight. But because you had to walk through them, the tunnels are just these long strolls where almost nothing is happening. And it's just like, oh, God, I wish I could drive through here right now. But it was it was a technical issue that we had to deal with, right? I walked at all times when I could. <laughs> if there yeah. was no time, I just walked. I mean, the bike was fun. But I would crash into things all the time. I just didn't feel, and I couldn't see shit on on my on this game because I don't think I, I didn't have the. It wasn't bright enough for me. Could have been my game, yeah. my setup too. And I was playing in a lighted, dark. lit room. Yeah, so it was a combination thing. So I I would always have night vision goggles on almost all the time. So I didn't want to be a bike because then I couldn't see what the hell I was doing. I would just crash into things. But right. I mean, it wasn't that wasn't the game's fault. That was more I feel you know playing in a lit room too, during the day. And yeah. not on a PS2 or a CRT or a CRT TV for that matter. But so there was there was that. But I mean, it was it was fine. Like I didn't mind the big open areas. I would just walk and listen to a, like I said, listen to a podcast, and I was okay with that. Like it, I mean, I can see from a gamer standpoint where people might not like nothing going on, but I was content with just a peaceful time before I had to go shoot more alien. Yeah, no, that's and that's great. And I mean, playing it again, I think we did do a decent job at sort of bringing across the whole ruined Earth aspect of it. You did. Uh, you, was you get to you see. Know, towns you get to see a junk you go to a swamp you go to like you you guys did put in a decent amount of different things like you have your desert town with your sewers and i call there's one guy that won't let you go toward the high like no you gotta go talk to this guy i'm like a video game thingy where i try to go oh, yeah. but i'm that's a video i'm okay with that <laughs> but it, it always used me it always made me laugh there's that one level where you meet dr osmond who was also a character we're really proud of because he ended up making his way into the comic books oh he, there was a Robotech Invasion comic series, which wasn't related to this game at all. It came out, I think, the year after our game did, or maybe the same year. And, but Doctor Osmond actually made it in as a character in in that those comics, which we we all, we were all pretty proud of. But yeah, like a, such video gaming moments where you get to his compound in one level, and he's standing over this gigantic locked door and says, "You're not allowed in. I'm not letting you through." And then he leaves, and then you, one of your companions says you know, look around and see if there's a way in and you turn a corner and there's this gigantic pile of explosive <laughs> barrels. I was like, well, that's probably it. And you just, sh and there's nothing else that's even remotely a chance that that's what could be the entrance. And you shoot it. And of course there's a big hole in the wall. I was like, well, that's, I mean, you know, there was no tension there, but I guess it was fun to blow up a bunch. I laugh barrels. during this part. Cause when you finish going through there, you're like, Oh, you guys were just an annoyance. You just killed 30, 40 people. And yeah. we're just an annoyance. I'm like, Okay, like, all right, I guess nobody matters to you. Yeah, it made me exactly. laugh. 
Because <laughs> he said something like that annoying, but you're just you were just an annoyance or something like that, or you, or I, you know, you weren't. He makes some kind of comment where you just didn't matter. Yeah, I'm like you just killed everybody. His character has some kind of god complex, anyway, right? Like he thinks that he's he's the only one who can save the world, and that actually that hover tank I think is another good example of the licensing issues because, and I don't know this for sure, but I remember talking to the game designer, uh, Matt Gregg was the game designer. And I seem to remember us having a conversation where he was talking about, you know, we have hover tank. Uh, Dr. Osmond has a hover tank, which you see in that scene. They talk about it. I think originally the idea is that it was going to be based on one of the hover tanks from Southern cross, which is the second. But again, we couldn't do that. So we had, it had to be completely original. I, I, again, I don't know if that's 100% true, but I, I seem to remember that being a conversation that I ended up having once with uh, with the designer. I mean, for me, I wouldn't have recognized him anyway, so I was fine. It's just any hover time. <laughs> right. So I've, never, I've only watched like the first two episodes of Masters, and I just can't do it because it's not my characters. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty not amazing. And since I know that it's not supposed to be part of the same anime, it makes me upset, so I just can't do it. Right. Like, I, I want to watch actual Southern Cross, not the bastardized version of something. Right. Yeah. Something. But that, that makes it hard for me. Same with this one. Like, since I know it's something different, I can't, I just can't get myself to do it. So if they put it on streaming, I will sit down and watch all of it just because it'll be easy in there. It's absolutely worth watching it at least once. But yeah, Southern to. Cross can be tough to get through. That's right. I've never gotten past. Yeah. <laughs> I like how the whole reason of the invid is that they're there to get uh, protoculture, which again was referenced in the, you know, on the Macross. And I like how the pro culture here is just big green orbs that come when you kill things. And then it didn't heal you. I felt like it maybe did, but I know it just refilled your ammo. Yeah, just your ammo. Okay. And there is, I'm trying to think some other stuff I want to, like another part that you have like little flashbacks that happen throughout the game, or not flashbacks, but wherever, like you said, where he's talking, like I was confused, but I'm like, okay, that I was thinking either he was somebody else that had come from somewhere else. So he was suffering. I didn't, it didn't really get the, the, the whole plot click right away. And I'm like, okay, then I realized, you know, he was not human. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah, that was a little bit. So that's a reference to the actual series. And that's the other thing that really hit me when I was playing this again this past week is that, boy, we did not do a good job explaining what was going on early. And I think I think that was deliberate. The idea was to make it a reveal. But I think I think our script really sort of expects the player to have some familiarity with 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 Genesis Climber, Mospeta, or you know the new generation, whatever you want to call it, um, because it kind of mirrors <clears throat> a character named Marlene in the in the actual television show, where she was human or she's taken on a human form. I don't really remember what it was, but yeah, the whole idea is that Locke has become uh, an invid humanoid. Not sure exactly how, <laughs> but the, those flashbacks kind of serve two purposes. One is to you're hearing about his life. Before he crash landed on Earth and through conversations with, I believe, either his girlfriend or his wife or his fiance, I forget what she was supposed to be. And then you're also hearing the invid invid uh, invid regent or the queen talking about the fact that, you know, she's sending you out into the world and you're going to work for the invid and blah, blah, blah. So you're like you're getting sort of two pre storylines happening and it's not always clear who it is but again if you were like a big a big uh robotech fan we got the voice actress who did the regent in the show so like you know i knew that that's who was speaking because i recognized your voice right but we didn't really explain it otherwise so it was like okay it didn't really yeah 
it still didn't re- it didn't really work quite the way we wanted it to. But th- that's the whole idea is that, you know, you've got the twist and you've got these two parallel stories where you take over as Tasha later in the game and you sort of it all comes to a head in the final level. But yeah, it, it was definitely a little confusing for first time players, especially if they didn't have a lot of familiarity with the series, which looking back on it, we probably should have, you know, figured that a series that was like 16 or 17 years old <laughs> might not necessarily be top of mind for most people anymore but in the third season of a show yeah, yeah. okay I, I i mean it threw me off a little but i was like i had i could tell something was going on i thought he was just having like you know either mind control is kind of how it felt to me when i would hear someone else talking you could tell was not human just right based on what she was saying right you know so I, I, it was i mean it kept me interested to a bit but i was just mostly i was in the gameplay like there's one scene where you had to go r- drive on a highway that's falling apart and you're blowing up behind you or falling apart yes and I had no choice but to use the bike in that one because if you don't, you, you won't make it. <laughs> it was that, fun. That was my level. The swamp level was my level. I died and a lot. I, so I crafted that scene. And that was a pain because, again, <laughs> the physics engine just was not up to the job. So, like, it was anytime you went off, you, those pieces of highway are generally angled up so that when you drive off of them i'm hoping your bike will be nosed up a little bit but it noses down really easily and it's almost like the front wheel digs into whatever it lands on so it just kills all your momentum but um yeah i i worked so long on that section (laughs) try to get that right i remember we had another issue in that level too where there's some big walls that are there to slow you down in the swamp so that you can't just drive your bike through everything there's little gates in them Um, And that had everything to do with the streaming because we were streaming those levels. And again, it was the PS2 that couldn't quite keep up. If you were driving the bike, we slowed the bike down so much, but we still can get to the point that if somebody decided to just drive past all of the skirmishes, which they could do, they could get to the point where the level wouldn't load fast enough and they just fall off the edge of the world. So (laughs) we put in these gigantic walls with gates that would open after you. You know, it was very Zelda, right? But then I remember we got some testers from Take Two that came in house. And they sorted out because, again, of the physics engine we were using, you could you could put the bike in reverse. You could back up the bike. And then if you use turbo boost immediately while you were while you had momentum going backwards, the nose of the bike would point up and you could actually launch yourself. Not not into the sky, but at pretty decent height. And so they actually figured out a way to launch themselves over those walls, which had two problems one is that you weren't supposed to be able to do that but two was that the triggers to load the rest of the level were in the doorways so we launched over them you didn't trip those triggers (laughs) so yeah that was one of the late stage issues we were into as well okay i always had a hard time with the ramps when it came to launching it up i just yeah i just did but i mean it was hey it handled it handled better than my first experience with the warthog (laughs) yeah well there you go i'll take that <laughs> my first turns were really bad with the war dog, but yeah, I mean it was I, I, it was a cool level. Like I, I stopped for every skirmish in general in this game. I didn't usually skip enemies because I just wanted to kill everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I, like I yes. said, I enjoyed the shooting a lot in this game. And I'm not if a game lets me skip things, I will skip things because it's just the way I play now. But I had fun shooting things. I really enjoyed shooting these aliens that I had no familiarity with. They were just fun That's, to kill to me. Glad to hear that. <laughs> And another level that I, there was one part that didn't make me angry. So on the snow level, right near the end of Lock whole campaign, you have a part where you have to take out these turrets that are, you're near the last hive because you've taken out a few hives earlier, which were fine. And you're taking out the last one and you have the ship that's coming down 
you know, multiple turrets to take out. I couldn't get to one of the turrets. I watched a video of some guy jumping on top of a debris and then sniping a little tip of the turret. I don't know if oh. I just was doing it wrong or I just could not find it when I looked for it. I don't remember. I'm going to say that was somebody else's level, so I'm not going to take any credit for that. <laughs> no, it could have been that, like, because I know in, in, in the guide I was looking at, it told me to, like, drive over to one side, boost up, and then mm. you can find it where I couldn't. I, I sucked at boosting, especially in a small area. So I just watched a video and this guy jumped on like a jumped on a ship, jumped on debris and sniped just a corner of the turret and blew up that way. <laughs> that's all I did. That I'm like, OK, cool. but I mean, that was the one part where I'm like, mm, OK, I'm a little irritated. But yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. might have just been that I just I just could not find it for the life of me in that timer. Right. And I was reloading at the time. So I could like, yeah, I would save state and then look for it, not find it, reload, look again. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't remember. I never got to that. I never got to that when I was replaying this week, so I don't okay. remember that too perfectly. I only had one glitch that happened to me during this game was when I where I had to restart the level or restart an area where there's a bridge you have to defend in the, also in the snow level, and you have these multiple turrets you have to take out. Well, I blew up one turret, but he didn't despawn, so when I killed everyone else. He was still sitting there. He wasn't shooting, but he was just sitting there so the game wouldn't move on. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would do it. I, had, I, I was playing again today, and I had something very similar where in... The second or third level, there's a bridge that when you're going across it, it actually blows up and you fall to a rail bridge below you. And I had forgotten about that. And when I was driving over it, I actually ran into that issue where when I fell, I fell through the rail bridge underneath. (laughs) So in my head, I'm like, oh, wait, maybe I'm not supposed to go across the bridge when it blows up. So then I respawned and I did that area again but i didn't step out onto the bridge to make it explode and so when the bridge itself had actually exploded there were still some invid um i don't know if they're scouts i forget what those flying ones were called the red ones and um they just stopped doing anything they were floating in place they didn't despawn but i couldn't hit them and they weren't shooting at me and i just had to sort of jump down from there onto the rail bridge and then continue to the level so the only major bug that i remember us having that we found out about after the fact and of course this was before we could send out patches and everything was i think in the xbox version at the very end when you're in the hive which are just these long corridors there is one point where you can turn around and you can the the hallway behind you will not respawn like it's supposed to and you'll you'll just again you can jump out of the world but that was something that that was also something we learned that at that point, and I mean, we're talking 20 years ago, so this isn't necessarily the same as today, but Sony's QA was much more stringent than Microsoft's was at the time because Microsoft passed it with that bug still in place and Sony Sony caught it and got us to fix it. <laughs> so I think it's the PlayStation 2 version that will not happen, but on the Xbox one, it will. Okay. And there was another part that maybe used the cycle that I thought was interesting. I had to reload it because I wasn't moving fast enough because whenever I didn't have to use the cycle, I wouldn't because I like walking because I would boost. I would jump and boost and jump and boost. And that to me was a lot of people played it that I was comfortable with moving where the bike was fast. But then since I couldn't see because it was so dark, I'm like, I just run into things. And so I didn't use the bike as much. But except for the bright level, like the snow level, I used the bike wherever I could see where the game wasn't in a cave. But it was in that last Invid High, you had a good scene where everything starts flooding after you shoot the holes in the ceiling. And you have to use the bike to race out of there. I used a lot of safety, but that was a cool part to have to drive around these little tight corners on a bike that moves very quickly <laughs> in little tight yeah. corners. And if you're, yeah, I liked it. I, mean, and I died. A, and I liked it. There was a couple spots like that, too, um, that were supposed to be like that. There's a level in one of the first couple of levels you get into like a mine 
which is where you meet one of the other characters. Sam, I think, is who you meet. And you fight an Invid Scout. And then the idea there was very much the same where, because you get a call to say that we need you over here really quickly. And what used to be in that mine, it was just a big pit, used to have almost a spiral path out. But we found that the bike couldn't handle it quite the way we wanted it to. So, But I was glad we got that flooding one in. And you're right, it is tough. You know, being someone who played it nonstop for like two years, (laughs) um, I always struggled in that spot. So, yeah. I had some trouble. Yeah. Because I couldn't do my normal running. I had to actually use the bike. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was still it was cool to have it there. Like I because I figure out once I figure out what I was doing, like that was interesting. I, I you know, I enjoyed the very gameplay. And even then, like at one point in the in the story, as you get to the end of Locke's campaign, you fight a boss that you have to die on, and then you go play as a different character, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. For a good chunk of the game, you redo a bunch of the levels that you were already at, but you're seeing it from a different point of perspective where they where they find out that there's an invid spy among them and she's trying to get to him while he's going and rescuing people throughout his campaign, which I, I it was an interesting take. Like there's one part you get locked in prison with her and you have no mechs, you have no shield. I'm like, and that was, I didn't like it cause I liked my shield, but it was a cool gameplay, like, cool gameplay aspect. I felt right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, I, I really, I think the story in this game and it was written well before I got there. I think the story in this game is, is strong. For sure. Like I, I was always pretty proud of of the story. I think a lot of people didn't end up experiencing it because they probably didn't get through the whole game. But um, no. but yeah, I think that was one of our strong points for sure. There's a scene in a truck where you're in the back of a truck that I know people I, cause I asked people comments for this before. I'll read later that had trouble with that part. I did, too. But safe state. So was that the turret where you're in the turret? Uh huh. Yes. Yep. You can get and you know massacred. What? That has been way toned down from what it was when we originally built it. Okay. It used to be much harder. It's, yeah. It was the toughest part for me, I think, in the whole game. And it's early on. I yes. can see how that, that can take people. It's just, I mean, with, with safe states, I was able to see who I need to kill first, what I need to deal with. But yeah, that, that was hard. For, that was a hard part. It's really, and it's something that I've been thinking about a lot because, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, actually, I'm a big racing fan and, and I'm sort of playing two different racing games that are pretty new right now. And one of the things that's very extremely obvious is sort of the the disparity in budgets between the two of them. And like <clears throat> I look back at this game as well, and you know, I I like to imagine how issues like that could have been fixed had we had the kind of budget and time that like a huge studio has, where you had, you know, if we had an army of playtesters who were balancing it as well, how much better those situations would have been than us just sort of i mean it was more scientific than us taking a guess but you know there was a lot of um especially as we got near the end of of the game's development there was a lot of like okay this is too hard what's the easiest thing we can do to fix it you know and it's like reduce the number of enemies that spawn or reduce the amount of damage they need to take or maybe maybe adjust their uh their firing accuracy something like that you know just how, how do we how do we adjust those knobs a little bit to make it to make it easier to play so yeah that's one of the ones that i think we didn't quite get right it's also very much of that era though as a guy who's been playing a lot of ps2 games lately that's just the era where it has stuff like that and most games i feel like have turret sections that are shooters like you just that was like a thing especially early 360 every early 360 game i played has a scene with a turret yeah yeah it just that was a thing at the time and like, the whole part with the truck is good until you get into that little corner where it stops and gets stuck, and then you have to go you have to back up. That's when it got challenging. Other yeah. than that, it, it was fun. It's funny. That's, that's yeah. I, I, yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. 
You're right. And there was another turret section of the game where you had like some giant turret and you're trying to protect a ship, which was you're I mean, I was failing at it, but the ship survived and then blew up anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think I know what you're, is that in the swamp? I want to say it's either the swamp or it's later. You're protecting some ship that's trying to crash into a that crashes into a hive at the end of it. Oh, yeah. I wow. Yeah, no, I don't remember that near one. Near the end. But yeah. It's near the end of Locke's quest before you have the whole shift. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember that one. The shift was fun too. Like, I, like I really like this the part where you get end up getting captured and you're in in that camp and you have to escape the camp. I thought that was really interesting. Where you had no armor and it really made me think about how much I love the shield. And I, I actually had to play differently. I had to hide and actually like try to play more stealthy, not just run and shoot <laughs> all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, in those in those moments, just like at the beginning of the game, you realize how extremely accurate the human players can be, mm-hmm. or the human enemies can be, and oh, you know man. how careful you have to be around them because I know the first. Even when I went back to replay this game for the first time in, in a few years, I'd forgotten how easy it is to die right at the beginning of the of the game because you have no shield and you're surrounded by human enemies. Yeah. So the human enemies, are they people that are working with the Invid then in this series? Like you were saying no, earlier? they're meant to be gangs. So there, there's like a bit of a, I'm going to say like a Mad Max sort of That's structure. Sick. Here and and it's again one of the things they used the, the gangs used to play a bigger part than just being fodder. Okay. Like actually, in the very first level, this is one of the things that I so wish that we didn't have to cut, but we did. You're in this the town you start in actually it's called Canyon Falls, and it's funny because you start in it and you immediately leave it, but at some point near the end of the level, you come back to Canyon Falls to meet Guppy, uh, who gives you turbo boost, but she needs you to go get her tools from the the. I forget what the name of the gang is, but if you notice, so Canyon Falls, I always loved, and I think it's actually based on a, a city that was in the actual cartoon show where okay. it's literally, it's a city that's built in a ravine, right? So the buildings are built back up sort of against these, these Canyon walls, which I always thought was really cool. But if you notice the Canyon you're in is a big oval, right? Like it's, if you leave Canyon Falls from either direction, you come back on yourself. And the reason it's like that is because what was supposed to happen there wasn't supposed to be like a fight to go get the tools back. There was supposed to be a race. Oh. You were supposed to race the gang leader around <laughs> Canyon Falls. But again, I, I, I think it was a mixture of not having enough time and also, again, the physics issues that we were running into. Yeah. That we just didn't do it. And I, it's it's one of the things that I really regret that we had to take out because I always thought it was, you know, I mean, the, the trouble with having a mech that turns into a motorcycle is that you need to find reasons to use the motorcycle. And like the the exploding highway you were talking about in the swamp was, you know, <laughs> that was deliberately there because we got to find something where you need to use the motorcycle and yeah. that flooding room, right? <laughs> you forced me. <laughs> um, but that was supposed to be like the earliest example of it. And we just... We just couldn't do it, and it was so. I, I like when I play the game, and it's so early on in the game that you see that area. I, I have these like major pangs of regret immediately, where it's like that would have been such a cool scene, and we just couldn't do it. So I'm okay that you didn't because I like yeah. shooting things, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> see, and that's exactly why. Like what you're just saying, like you, your reaction is exactly what we knew would happen. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, yeah, it's just the the bike wasn't fun enough, and it wasn't stable enough to do that. Which was too bad, but it, it is what it is. So. But that rocket launcher on that bike though was something else. When I did use yeah. it a few times, when I would like drive into people and I would just start hitting a button constantly and just watch all the rockets hit them and just take out people, that was nice. 
Yeah, yeah. There's a scene early on in the an area called Three Stones where I think it's Granite City, and these the red invid scouts or whatever there are the flying ones fly up out of it and attack the city. And you're like in sort of this valley, and you come up this path, and there's two or three usually sitting right there. And that's your first chance to really use the rockets on the bike, I find. And it's so satisfying to fire off a bunch of rockets and then just see them explode and drive under them. And, yeah. you know, it's like those were the moments that those were the moments we were looking for in the game. And so when we had a chance to do it, we we always, always took the opportunity. Wasn't Granite City in the in Macross in the end? Wasn't that one of the cities they were at? I think it was. Yeah. OK, because when I heard the name, I'm like, that sounds really, really familiar. Yeah. And I. I was trying to think of that movie that was in Robotech Battlecry 2. We had to go to Granite City to rescue for Minmay's concert, but I can't remember for yes, sure. Yes, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, that was a that was a bitch of a level <laughs> in the first, in <laughs> Battlecry. Oh, like I said, much I love Battlecry. Man, that game was tough. Whew. Yeah, it definitely had its moments. Yeah. <laughs> and like when you were playing as the as the second character, I can't remember her. Was it Tasha? Her name, I think. Okay. Yeah. You also like you know, one thing you did that was interesting. I felt that you guys get that where the armor can change or you can go in like a stealth mode. Mm-hmm. I didn't use it except when the game forced me to, <laughs> but I liked that it was there. I just rather shoot things and then hide. But that like yeah. you had a boss fight that was designed around it, which I thought was cool because she will the other character with you will tell you, OK, now it's time to hide. And then I had to like snipe the little eyeball on this big giant mech that I had no idea why it was there, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun to kill. Yeah. And I think that the main reason not the main reason, but I think one of the reasons that we actually had that was because of the the um, the shader. We loved the way the camouflage looked, like because I think it was mostly like um, if I remember correctly, like I said, I didn't get that far, but if I remember correctly, it kind of looks like Predator camouflage. It does, yeah. Which I think we all just thought was so cool. And you had <laughs> so that's enemies. like the main reason that's there. <laughs> uh, that's fine. You had enemies that use it too later on in the game that were interesting. Yeah. I was always in night vision, so I would always see something moving in the bright light. Mm-hmm. So it, we like the night worked. version too. There were, were a happy lot of boss. Like there were no boss fights in the game. Also, when you get to the end of the game, you guys threw a lot of boss fights at me. Like you have that thing, you have the turret with the doctor, which was that was kind of cool because you had to like stealth go behind him, shoot him back of the head a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy happy it. with that. One. That's a good fight. Like you shoot out, like you shoot out the back of the truck and or the the engines of the car, which get reminded me of Star Trek. That was targeting engines or something, but that's neither here nor there. But that's what reminds that me. Thing- didn't that thing transform into a robot too? Do I have that right? I'm trying to remember. No, it's no? just a okay. tank. You shoot the back of the oh. tank, and then it, it it gets damaged, and he stops moving. Then you have to go stealth, and then he right. pops out, and you shoot him back of the head like three, right. four times, and then you repeat the cycle. Right. Times. Yes, that's it. Okay. It wasn't bad. You the only mech you had was the final fight you have with the mech, which the, the queen or whatever hell her name is. Yeah, oh, the yeah, I forget her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Oh, you mean, attention. Though. It's that's yeah. when the game ends up then going back to lock, where then you run around the final high, which was a little challenging because you you had some parts that you had to fight human enemies and you had to fight the humans that were in mechs. So you're fighting Tasha and her team. Right. That was hard. <laughs> cool. Yeah. But hard. Yeah. I, I I'm trying to remember what the different endings were because I know there are multiple endings. Oh. Uh, I'm not just sure. looking it up real quick. I, I think I heard somebody mention it, but I didn't really look into it because I wasn't playing this for the story. Yeah, there's three different endings. And okay. What you do there um, is, yeah. Depending it, like who you kill or something? Yeah. I don't really know how to describe what happens because I don't remember. <laughs> but I think so. I, it's like there's two of them where Locke dies and there's one of them where he's taken with the invid. And apparently okay. that's considered the Internet has decided that that's the good ending. 
because I I know you get uh, you get a choice when you when you play as Tasha and you get caught up to where he is. You get the choice to either shoot him or shoot this other guy that I don't that's that was going to kill him. I don't know who the hell he was, and I shot him instead because I like I like the no name guy. Right. I think you got the good ending then. Okay. I shot him, then I played through a bunch of the level with Locke and had to fight them, which was tough. I used the rocket launcher a bunch. Right. Yes. And then you. And then after that, you go to the final hive where then you fight the final bosses in a giant mech, which was a, f- a fine fight. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And then I she think turned you got into the like an orb, like not an orb, but like a purple bean like of energy. And then you fight her and then you kill her and then the game end. Right. And I was happy. <laughs> I enjoyed it, but I was it was I was glad it was <laughs> over with. But that's every game. That's Another thing I do want to mention is I didn't see your Easter egg that's in this game somewhere where it says that Jack Archer survived or Jack lives. Jack lives. Yep. That is at the beginning of this swamp level. Okay. Um, so you start the swamp level <clears throat> at the foot of like this destroyed highway. It's not the one that all that blows up, but um, it's similar. Again, I really, I really, that was one of the, I have to say in general, sorry, I'll back up. A lot of those stages, as I said before, had been built before I got there. And I think one of the things that the game does really well is, is um, a sense of scale uh, to those levels. Like I really loved being able to see the stilt hives in the early levels as well, that are sort of looming over the entire level. So, such cool. a cool idea, you know, and that swamp level, same thing. I loved the ruin highway sections. I thought they looked really nice. Uh, but yeah, at the beginning of those, at the beginning of that area, you're kind of in this wide open area. And if you look at the posts for the ruin highway, there is graffiti on one of them that says it's either Jack lives or Jack Archer lives. And of course that's the main character from the first game. And that was totally put in there because we were getting mail from people, especially after marketing started for this, asking if Jack Archer was in the game or, you know, if he was the main character or also sad when they figured out that that probably wasn't the case. So we put that in. And then the Easter egg there is that if you shoot it, I think, 100 times, it spawns a soccer ball. Why it's a soccer ball, I have no idea. But it does, and the whole idea there is that, of course, we're using uh, the Havoc engine, and you can kick the ball around. That That's it. I mean, you, you can shoot the ball around. I think you can kick it, too, uh, by just running into it. And it's just like a fully physics Havoc-based item that you can just kick around the level for no good reason other than it exists. But, yeah, that's the Easter egg. I'm okay that Jack's not in this game. So. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it all, and also the opening, even though I never played Skyrim yet, the opening made me think of that Skyrim because I keep seeing that meme all the time where you wake up in the in the in the oh, hi, you're awake. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what it made me think of because you're in a, you're in a you're in a car and they'll yeah. find you. They're so matter of fact about it, too. Oh, this guy's dead. Take his armor. But uh, <laughs> it's so funny, though. Yeah. I mean, the armor part made sense with this apartment. They go, ah, you can be his name, too. You know, yeah, that was just funny to me. Sure. Let's get this game started. <laughs> hey, I. It made me laugh, so I'll give it credit there. <laughs> and I and I will say that none of the bosses, as a guy, I just got done playing Shadow of Rome this last week. I appreciate that none of your bosses had like four or five life bars and just didn't die. I appreciate <laughs> that. Shadow of Rome's a very good game, but it is a very intense playthrough if you ever play it. Yeah, you no, don't we, weren't, we weren't intense. No. We like, that's, to, that's we like to do, I think, a few too many um, escort missions or missions where somebody was dying and you had to. Eh. Yeah. Although those were mostly just false timers like i I know there's Mm -hmm. a few escort slash protection missions in the game where it doesn't matter what you do the character is either you know 
going to die after X number of seconds, or it's going to look like they're almost dead, and then the mission's over. Like we 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 faked that a few times. You did it with the the big cruiser. You fake it. Yeah, there you go. I because when the fact that I play with safe is I can play with things and I'll sometimes catch things that the game is doing because I can reload and see if, if things change. And right. but I, I didn't I didn't mind your escort missions in this game. I didn't had no problem with them because the the people you're escorting never really felt that weak. Like they could usually defend themselves. Yeah. Only time they died when I was completely ignoring them and doing something different because I couldn't because I wasn't paying I wasn't I wasn't paying attention like with a demolition guy once. He died because I left him with a bunch of spiders, and he just got murdered because I wasn't <laughs> right. helping him. I was busy oh, running right, the little else. spiders. Yeah, they were yeah. annoying. Yeah, they were annoying. But no, it, it, that's it, why it, we crushed one with the vicious cycle logo at the beginning of the game. Oh, <laughs> I mean, okay, but it was better escort missions than Battle Cry, where Battle Cry made me just get really, really frustrated. Even though I could kill things in one hit, and things would still die because the game wanted you to do particular things. We talked about last time. This yeah. game didn't do that, and I appreciate that it didn't do that. Yeah, I think we were trying to be really careful about that because of exactly what you said. I think that the feedback they'd gotten on the Battle Cry escort missions was was pretty negative. So, yeah. you know, and people don't like escort missions in general, you know, so. I mean, I, I want to say I don't, but then again, I love RE4, so it's hard to say. There you go. I don't mind them as long as the character can defend themselves or at least cannot, is not making you always lose. Right. Or in this game, as long as you played along with them on easy, they would make it out of it. As long as you just were there doing something. Right. Like there's one point you had you had us on a bridge, the bridge class. You have to snipe enemies so this other character can get back to you. And I that was fun. She held her own as long as you sniped. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then and again, I think I think a lot of that was was pretty faked just so we could have control over what was going to happen around the player. Because even I when I couldn't find her or left her on her own, she got she got to red health, <laughs> but she was still moving along. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I was ignoring her for some reason. I couldn't find her. I was doing something else. <laughs> so I would, I'd play around and watch how some of the meters go. And I, I, I see what you mean though. With some meters that just would like get to a certain point, then stop, or like they would say yeah. certain things. It was fine. Right, any things you want to say? I, and I got some questions that we can read from the, from different groups. Uh, no, let's hear, let's hear the questions. Okay. Or I should say some are questions, some are comments, a little bit of both, but I'll be, re- start with, uh, from Stoletto Carlos, very good game. I still have it for for play for PS2. Uh, from Ken Fujimoto, I had a GameCube at the time, so I only had Battlecry. But man, I wanted this. Yeah, <laughs> so we heard a lot see. of that from Harvey Hoover. I can't get past the back of the truck gunnery part. Uh huh. <laughs> I don't know what this is, but from Shannon Carbello, wish you would have had some missions where you were in, in an alpha. Oh, like the Veritex. Yeah, and we we. It's funny. Like I think we heard that early on that people were asking that. That, you know, because I think some of the early marketing materials, you could see the alphas. Like I said, there's that crash ship that you go through at one point and it's all dark. It's the first time we ask you to use the the night vision. And there are row upon row of alphas in that ship, like both in jet form and in robot form. And I seem to remember people asking when they saw those photos like, oh, are you going to be able to fly an alpha? Are you going to be able to play as an alpha? And I think... I think Eric Peterson uh, did an interview at one point where he revealed like, no, you're not going to be able to do that. And there was a bit of a backlash. Okay. So there's actually a line in the game where uh, Guppy says it in that section where she's like, oh, it's too bad. I didn't bring my, I think it was a conduit router because I could have fixed one of these alphas up in a flash, (laughs) which I think was supposed to serve as a, like, here's the reason why, but almost served as sort of a taunt. Yeah, <laughs> to the players at the same time. So yeah, I mean, I was bummed too because I, I I I would have loved to have had some flying missions as well. But 
Eh, didn't happen. I mean, plus all the right issues. I'm not surprised that, you know, with yeah. it being such a mess. Yeah. And from Nick Vicente, I wish these games were on Steam. I miss playing them. Yeah, they, they will be on Steam. <laughs> well, I'm assuming it would be a tough to re, even if he, you know, to re release these because of all the right issues. I would think. And I mean, you'd have to spend some money on, you know, yeah. I don't, I want to say, I don't remember if, I think Battle Cry ended up being backwards compatible in the 360. Oh. That's I cool. I think I'm not sure, but I don't think Invasion ever was. The games didn't sell well enough. Yeah. For, you know, that's that's the big problem. So I know this one didn't sell as good as Battlecry. No, it didn't. Which and Battlecry didn't makes... sell as well as they wanted it to. So well, when you base it on an older anime, I mean, I was head over heels when I heard Battlecry came out because I was so in love with Robotech as a kid. But right. like when this came out, I didn't care because I didn't. This wasn't my Robotech. <laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. Yep. It had nothing to do with the game. It had to do with this, this, there's no Rick Hunter here. There's no Veritech. I don't want this game. Uh, from Christopher Taylor, I love this and Battlecry. Never understood how neither had a PC release. Yeah, I'm assuming it just wasn't wasn't didn't make enough money for you guys to go through that. Yeah, it was just you know like it was the same reason why. Well, I don't know why the first one didn't have a PC release, but the second one, I mean, we whittled down the number of systems that we were using at that point too. Like there was no GameCube version either. So the first one had a GameCube version as well. I don't know. I, I, I That was way above my pay grade, but I just assumed the budget was smaller. That makes I mean, also, I feel like sometimes sequels don't do as good depending on the franchise. Yeah. And I mean, we had, you know, with Robotech, Macross is the bread and butter. Yeah. And they'd already done that. Right. So and it's I think it's telling that they skipped over Southern Cross <laughs> completely and went on to the new generation. Yeah, that's what I thought was weird, too, because I, as a, as a Robotech fan, I remember this game came out. I'm like, why this is not? Why aren't they doing the second saga? Yeah. Uh, I don't know anything about the Master Saga, really, other than there's a bunch of idiots in a ship that talk about protoculture. That's all yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah, it's not much. And Max, not is, Max left his daughter when she was, like, what, five or something? And went and vanished. That's all I know. Yeah, you know, it's best if you don't think about that stuff too hard. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, once I found out there were three animes, that's when everything changed. Yeah. And this from the official Laser Time community, I got two comments from Andy Ryan. It was okay. As a big Robotech fan, covering the Mospita slash New Generation arc was fun, but ultimately ultimately, the move away from Cell Shady made it less interesting than Battlecry. And from Chris Buher, I was more excited to play Battlecry. Didn't one of the podcasters from Player One work on this? Yes. <laughs> I like that. Uh, and I'd comment, of course, to him, told uh, him, too. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that was my first game. And from Robotech Lovers, I got a few comments. Uh, from Max Oze, so happy you are covering this awesome game. Perhaps one of the lesser subjects covered this, the fantastic music done by Jasper Kidd. Even on the composer's website, there was very little mention of it. So much recycled music in the Rob- Robotech universe, it was refreshing to have a completely new soundtrack that brilliantly completed every level in this game. Yeah, that was a big get for us. And especially, I think, where, you know, we... As a team, you know, we were being published by Global Star, which I think was a bit of a it was a bit of a, a kick in the the pants because you know it just didn't it made it feel like it was very much a a secondary game and wasn't all that important to the publisher. You know, again, I don't know if any of that's true, but that's just the way I think a lot of us felt. But Jesper Kid was quite hot at the time um, because of the Hitman series. He was the composer in the Hitman series, oh. and when we first got his his soundtrack we were very excited that actually out of everything here the soundtrack was actually released on cd for invasion which i loved i love the fact that we did that now speaking as a robotech fanboy i kind of wish we had more of the original music in the game the original robotech music in the game but his soundtrack is fantastic you did have at least 
one song, right? I've, I could have swore I heard the main song at different points, like in the, the intro. The theme somewhere. is there. You hear okay. it. The first time you hear it is um, when you blow up the first hive. Okay, that yeah. got me excited. Yeah, that music will. That song will always resonate with me, and I'm like, okay. But oh God, yeah. I know some people complained that it did that it had a different soundtrack and didn't have like the the regular one, but it didn't I mean I wasn't listening most of the time, so I didn't care. Yeah, I mean the thing with the original soundtrack too, and and I'm you know I speak I say this as a massive fan of the original soundtrack uh, to the series. A lot of the music used in that was very short loops, and I think you know our levels. I mean, like the first level, you can spend an hour in the first level easily, right? And if you were hearing like a 20 second loop yeah for long stretches of time it was it wasn't gonna work it was gonna get really annoying really fast so yeah i just play with my solution to all games just play with other things on sometimes yeah there you go oh from bartholomew bras some people didn't like the game but i enjoyed it spent many nights up longer than i should have on this game cool it makes me happy so let me see in the last one from robotech world i have Two I'll read from Golomero Patino, like playing with friends, but rather would have a battle cry feel to it. And from Thomas Markowitz, it's just another military shooter, but with a Robotech skin. There's nothing special about it, really, but I thought it was okay. I think that's fair. I mean, it was absolutely based on the military shooters that were super popular at the time. Yeah. Was trying to do that. Um, That's one thing that we haven't talked about, though, that I think is such a shame as well, is that the multiplayer doesn't work anymore. Oh. Too bad. Because the game has a multiplayer, like multiplayer uh, shooter mode. But it's only online. Yeah, it was through GameSpy. Oh. GameSpy, it was on GameSpy servers. Okay. Which are long gone. How was, so. was the multiplayer like you would transform into a bike and then do stuff too? or No, it was mostly... I don't remember if you could transform as a bike. It wouldn't have been very useful because the whole idea was that the bike missiles would lock on to Invid, and I don't think it worked multiplayer. But again, it's been almost 20 years since I played the multiplayer. It was mostly just arena-style first-person shooter battles. Okay. So yeah, which makes sense for the time. Yeah, because the thing with the bike too, if you remember, and I don't know if it if it got caught you out a few times in the game, but when you are riding the bike, you're clearly not wearing your armor, so you're much easier to kill. Yeah, that I I noticed that unfortunately yeah. when they killed me. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I don't know that in multiplayer it would been it would have been all that fun, but yeah, I mean it had I forget how many maps, but it had a few multiplayer maps that you know it was I mean it was it wasn't Halo, but it was fun. <laughs> Yeah, but that that's a big that's a big hurdle there. I mean, Halo is kind of a one of a kind thing, though. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I feel like for the time in two thousand five, the other shooters that might have been out around this time for the PS two and Xbox, like one that your your buddy mentioned not too long ago, Brute Force, in one of your early couple episodes ago, <laughs> which I forgot completely. That game existed until Phil's like, "Oh, Brute Force." I'm like, "Yeah, oh, okay." That's a deep cut there. It it felt like it would have fit in that same like what you would have been getting at that time. It yeah. would have been comparable. It was comparable to whatever else I, w- I would have played at that time as shooters. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I can't remember a lot for Xbox, but I know I would have played like for Para. I think Pariah was one of them. I remember one talk, talk, thinking about playing or it can't something with a P. I remember seeing the, the cover. I can't think of the game now. I think I have the wrong. Yep, it was Pariah 2005. Pariah? I don't even remember that game. I always remember the cover. And I kept looking at it and wanting to buy it. <laughs> so I played it once. It wasn't. But it was again, it just. You know, first-person shooters were just that way. So there's nothing, like, I understand yeah. why you guys did what you did. It makes sense. It fits the era. You, yeah. know, you know, I mean, the graphics are fine. I mean, the, even today, like, they weren't ugly enough where I didn't, like, oh, I can't play this. Like, it was fine. <laughs> they weren't, like, early PS1. Yeah. So. No, again, I think the biggest I think the biggest problem was 
I, I, when I look back at it, the two things that I would have loved to have done in general is I would like, I would have loved to have more color, but again, like you're saying early two thousands shooter, mm-hmm. Brown and gray. I mean, that's what it, they were earth tones. That's what you got, you know? And then the other thing is I wish our human characters were bigger. Like they were, they seemed small and they, that made them hard to hit. Yeah. They, I mean, they were small, but also it made the Mospita seem that much more monstrous. Right. Which is, I think the whole reason it was done that way. Like that, that's the, that was the point, but you know, I, I just wish, I don't know. They're too hard to hit. That That's my, I, that's my I had problems at first, but the fact that the ammo was so prevalent, you could just like, just hit, hit an air and you'd get them. Right. I didn't have too much of an issue with them most of the time on easy. Right. Yeah. I mean, I had kind of anything else that, oh, and the music from what I did here was fine. I mean, I thought the voiceovers were fine. I, I mean, it wasn't really paying attention to the story, but. It seemed fine. The story seemed interesting. I just didn't. I just didn't care. I mean, the the exciting part about this was the same thing that with uh, as far as the voice actors went was the same thing as with the original game is that it was basically the original Robotech cast that were voicing almost was all it, the characters. Was Lisa in here? Yes, she. I thought was, I heard her voice. I was like, that sounds uh, she, like Lisa. the character wasn't there, but she is. I believe she's the actress that voiced Sam with a really really heavy like New York accent. And also Locke's fiance in the flashbacks. That's her voice. Okay, because I, I heard that. I'm like, this sounds really familiar. She's I, got I such a distinctive voice. Yeah. And like um, the, the main guy uh, who played Roy Foker is, is um, Silas, plays Silas. The guy who played Rook in, no, Rand in New Generation is... Arturo? Anyway, he's one of the main characters as well. But yeah, almost every voice actor in the game is is one of the old Robotech voice actors. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. A couple jumped out at me. That was the main one because I just I always liked Lisa in that old show. So it, it yeah. jumped out at me. I'm like, that sounds really familiar. <laughs> that's cool. Okay. <laughs> um, any last things you want to say about the game before we go to Shelf Stacker Box? <clears throat> um, I mean, you know, I think I've said pretty much, like I said, when I when I play this game now i i sort of look at the lost potential i really i really wish we could have sorted out the collision so that the bike could have been faster and we could have taken more advantage of it but you know overall the only other thing that i would say is that i really playing the first few levels i really wish we had gone for it a little bit more you know there, there's just a lot of open areas that are there's not a whole lot happening in the beginning of that game and i i really really wish that we had we had yeah you know, gone for some bigger fights at the beginning. I know why we didn't, but I think that <laughs> as you play the game, it sort of corrects itself. I think you get much bigger fights after like the second and third level, which makes me happy. But yeah, yeah the pacing is fights. Off. Yeah, pacing well, is didn't... off at first. But overall, I was pretty happy with how it came out. I didn't read it on here, but somebody when I had made comments somewhere, I don't think I saved it. Um, the guy had said that he wished that he wanted this on PS4 or you know current gen to replay both of them. Yeah, I would love to. I wish it was backwards compatible or it was on PC Same. or something that made it easier to play nowadays because it's just yet another one of those games that it's going to be locked to a couple of systems that are, you know, 20 years old at this point. So and that's, it's too bad, but it happens. Just like Marvel games, you know, anything yeah. with a license, it's, <laughs> you have to find other ways to play it, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, we should go to Shelf Stacker Box, and I'll go first. So I came into this game with no... You know, no idea what I was going to be, what are we getting into? I, I knew Battlecry made me, I love Battlecry, but it made me angry. So I knew that and I had no love for Next Generation, but I, I started playing this game and it, it, you, you got me going. I'm like, okay, this is fun. I mean, just having fun shooting aliens and the game went through. It reminded me a lot of Halo 1 
you know, it just had that same feel to it, which I enjoyed. And so I'm going to put it in the stack. It's something that I, I'm glad I played it. I probably won't go back to it, but I'm glad after 15 years, I finally beat it. Because I, when this game came out, I'm like, I'm going to play this one day. And <laughs> I never did. I don't think I ever, ever even bought it. And I'm glad I finally can say I completed it. I'm very happy I finally did it. <laughs> I mean, for me, I'm a little bit biased. Speaking as someone who, you know, worked on the game, worked on it. I, I would say shelf because, you know, <laughs> I am very proud of I am very proud of it. It's the very first game I ever worked on. And, and you know, it, it definitely um, has a spot in my heart for that. But as a gamer, I think I'd probably say uh, stack as well. I, I don't know that I would ever pick it up and play through it again, but I'm glad I've done it. You know, I, I, I've done it. I probably played through the game since it came out probably twice. Once when it actually came out, I decided to play through it again. And then a few years back, I played through it uh, as part of a stream. And then, you know, I didn't get to play through it completely for this show. So I could see picking it up again in a few more years to show my kids or something like that. Or, you know, if somebody has a question about it or even to stream it again and just say, you know, man, 30 years ago, this was the first (laughs) game I ever worked on. But yeah, I mean, I I think probably probably stack. Okay. Hey, the game played better than some games I played on the show, like (laughs) Bloodman 2. Great. I mean, okay, Bloodman 2 is not a good game, but I had I had glitches in Bloodman 2 where I could not finish the game. Oh really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I and I thought it might have been the way I was playing it, but from what I heard, it just that game is just full of glitches. That's too bad. And like Soul Reaver two, I was trying to play the PC version, and the game wouldn't even let me play. It would just glitch out in the first level. Oh, which I okay. heard. Well, we did better than that then. <laughs> yes, and I heard that was just something to do with the PC release was just bad. Like it just had glitches in it where, like I thought sometimes I play on different hardware, so I thought okay maybe that's an issue. But it was just I had found out by googling like the game just had game-breaking glitches I'd never fixed. Right. So you, yeah. you didn't have any of that. So that was, you know... Right. <laughs> right. That's a win. You, know, you, you had a game people could finish. <laughs> That's what matters sometimes, I feel. As a guy who plays a lot of games, as long as I can finish a game and, you know, get through it, I'm I'm happy most of the time. And I don't need to... And I like the fact that your game was not that challenging. Like, this game wasn't overly hard on easy. So that was a nice, too. I know some people don't like that, but I, as a guy who plays a game every single week, I love easy games. I'm a fan of that, personally. We're too old. We don't want to play something that's going to take forever anymore. <laughs> um, and before we end this, um, Greg, where can people find you at? Uh, so you can find me on playeronepodcast.com every week. Uh, we record uh, a show. Again, it's a bunch of uh, old men, dads <laughs> uh, who used to work in the industry. Well, actually, two of us still work in the industry. But, um, you know, we, we used to work in the games press 20 to 25 years ago. And that's kind of where we come from. And as gamers all our lives and now as parents who have kids who are gaming as well that's kind of where our show uh goes also you can find me on uh generation 16 on youtube if you look up generation 16 which which is my genesis uh historic uh cron gaming series um i also put other videos on my channel on there as you mentioned earlier i just did a top 100 games video my favorite games of all time uh which i'm glad you got to take a look at is pretty proud of it but it's all very retro game focused and um, three nights a week on Twitch TV slash Seward, where I uh, mostly stream retro games in support of Extra Life and the IWK Children's Hospital here in Nova Scotia. So uh, three nights a week, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursdays. Come check it out. Okay. And it was very racing focused, too, I noticed. <laughs> I'm a bit of a race fan, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to finish watching the uh, British Grand Prix. So <laughs> You also have turned me on to wanting to try more Sega CD games because I've only played one in my life. So because of you, I might, I might hunt down a well, hunt down one in one way and play some more. My life's mission. You did. You had some that made me like, okay, I'm inter- I'm curious now to try because I've I've skipped Sega CD completely. 
It's fantastic. Didn't... You know, I got to say, I love the retro game focus now is is nice to see people discovering. I think it's like every a lot of people were so Nintendo focused when they were younger. Uh, people are actually started discovering a lot of Genesis and Sega CD and Saturn games because there were some great games on those systems. There were some tarot games on the systems, too, but there were some great games there that people are discovering. So if that's you know what, if one of my videos led you to check out a new game on Sega CD, I am totally down for that. Matt, I've never played Saturn once in my life. Oh, you are missing out. <laughs> well, I've been wanting to play Panzer Dragoon Saga because I'm a big RPG guy for years. Yeah. So yep. one day, but... Worth playing. You got my attention to... I should look into more uh, Sega CD and Sega Saturn. <laughs> All right, I should introduce what we're talking about next week. So next week, we are diving into an RPG that I've been trying to put on the show for since I started. We're playing Squaresoft's Live a Live that never came to America before. So we're gonna, you can hear about all about that next week. And if you enjoyed the show, please go look at our Patreon. For as little a dollar, you can go vote in our Patreon poll that I mentioned at the top of the show. We have four animated movies. You can choose what we're going to cover next month. So definitely go do that. And I also want to give a shout-out to our $10 one, uh, do- person donating to Patreon, Watt. Thank you for supporting the show. And you, too, for as little as $10, you can throw on our Patreon. I will promote your podcast or YouTube show every, for four episodes a month. So definitely go take a look at that. And I also want to give a shout out to our buddy, Bill Tucker, who's on the MCU pod, MCU show with me. Go check out his podcast that recently started, A Gamer Looks at 40. Much different take than this show, but he gives some good interviews. Go check him out. And I want to thank Greg for coming on this episode and talking about Robotech with us. My pleasure. And the last thing to say is please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. We're also on YouTube, finally. Just audio format, but you can go listen to the shows on there. I think that's everything I need to say. So we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.